I am Theodora, and you are listening to Spiritual Slut, the shameless podcast for a woman who are unapologetically sexual and spiritual. Spiritual Slut. <laughs> Spiritual slut. Spiritual slut. Hello, my beautiful souls. Welcome back to another episode of Spiritual Sluts, the podcast. I am Theodora, your host. It's so good to be back. I have so much I want to share with you. And in this episode specifically, I want to talk about triggers. But when you're the one triggering others, mm, interesting, right? <laughs> so I know I've talked about being triggered on previous episodes. This time, the roles are being reversed. So, of course, it's going to be through the lens of my own experience, as you can imagine. And I have three very specific aspects in which I noticed I became triggering to other people. Three specific patterns that I've healed within myself. So these patterns are the pattern of being a people pleaser. That's the first thing I healed. And then I had a rescuer tendency to rescue people. It's I call it the big sister wound because I am a big sister. <laughs> and it appears that it also is the way that I tend to interact with women in my life. And so the last pattern that I noticed that I've healed really recently, actually, is the fixer pattern, the tendency to fix other people who would be misaligned. So, all right, I'm going to develop so that you get all the tea, baby, all the tea. As you heal, you will trigger people. That's a given, right? I'm sure pretty much everyone in this room, in this car, in this living room, wherever you listen to your podcast, everyone in this room would agree that when you heal, you notice that you trigger people more. Who was an ex-people pleaser here? Raise your hand. I'm raising both of mine, as usual. <laughs> Ex-serial people pleaser here. And I have to say, from a human design perspective... I know that in my chart, I have my emotional solar plexus undefined. And that usually means that anyone with this configuration would have or be more sensitive to other people's emotions, more receptive to other people's emotions to the point that sometimes it can actually override our perception of our own emotions meaning that you tend to overestimate the importance of other people's emotions and put them above your own emotions, which is, it sounds twisted, but a lot of us actually do that. So when you have an undefined emotional solar plexus like yours truly, then the shadow of that is you would be kind of not virtue signaling, but out of a good intention, out of people pleasing, you would try to save people the pain of being rejected, humiliated, abandoned, whatever that is, you would save them the pain of being triggered. But by doing this, you are actually bypassing your own emotions, your own processes, your, your own boundaries even. So I know 
I have been very, very guilty of that by the past. And see, when you learn how to assert your boundaries, how to not only assert them, but to enforce them with your actions, who that's when you become triggering as fuck for people. And they usually don't like it so much, especially if it's an quote-unquote attachment figure. I mean, attachment figure supposedly would be your parents, but we all know that when we enter a romantic situation, ship situation or relationship for most of us, when we are in such a connection with someone, then we tend to make this person an attachment figure, which even though they aren't, that's just the way we behave. And it's... I guess it's just human behavior and we have to navigate that. This is probably the challenge of our generation, I believe. But anyways, we tend to be very triggering for, let's call them our significant others. So you assert a boundary, you enforce it, and then you become the bad guy or the bad girl, in my case. And you know what? People can and should be able to handle being disappointed. In fact... It's bound to happen when you live a human life. You are going to be disappointed. So this is something you cannot save people from, even though you are in love with them. I know, I've been there, girl. So you cannot save your significant other from being triggered. And I know you don't want to be the one triggering your significant other. You don't want to be the bad guy or the bad girl in this relationship. No one does, trust me. But the better your boundaries, the more likely you are to be triggering. So I guess you can also say that you cannot save people, including and especially not your significant other, from their own karma, their own process, their own healing journey. So, for instance, when you try to save them the pain of the rejection of the whatever wound has been triggered or tickled, let's say. So whatever wound you've been poking or tickling you cannot save your person from that so they will have to deal with their own wound themselves and there's a caveat here when you're in a relationship with someone or whatever the connection is but when you have a romantic attachment to someone let's put it this way you do want to be mindful of their healing journey, like not triggering them on purpose, like, oh, but I'm healing. This is my boundary and I'm going to do this. Like, <laughs> that's good that you have boundaries, but also you want to be mindful of the person you love and their wounds. And I know that it feels a bit like a mind terrain or rather a rough sea to navigate, because here's the thing. While you can have all the compassion in the world, all the empathy, the sympathy for your person's pain and wound, you cannot play the rescuer forever. You cannot because you will be the enabler. And I can actually give you an example of that. One of my friends came to visit me on the island for a few days and we have different processes. Let's say she's probably more advanced on some spiritual topics than I am and I have my strength too, which is <laughs> why we get along. We both have things to teach each other. And so 
we <laughs> we encountered this one guy that we had met prior but we wanted to be left together you know two girlfriends who want to have a good time together and speak about men <laughs> aka leave us the fuck alone <laughs> i mean some men have more emotional intelligence than others but This one clearly didn't get the memo and we had to communicate it clearly at some point, which I did, but <laughs> not my friend. Quite the opposite, actually. And so myself, I have so much stronger boundaries that I was able to express in a clear way the following. I'm sorry, we're having like a girlfriend's date tonight. So sorry, you cannot join the dinner. It's only going to be the two of us. Like... Sorry, boy, bye. <laughs> But my friend, who is probably not as far as I am in her recovering people-pleasing journey, and I say this with all my love because, again, she's more advanced than me on many regards, but maybe just not on this one. And she was, like, trying to save him from the pain of being rejected and was like, but you can meet us afterwards. And I was like, girl... You just met this guy. You don't know him. Do you actually want him to be with us? And she was like, no. So why are you offering to... Like, why are you asking him and offering him to join us when you don't even want that? Oh, because I don't want him to feel rejected. But can you imagine? Would you like to be... If you were this guy, would you like to be invited out of pity instead of out of genuine connection and genuine, you know good vibration kind of situation would you rather be invited for this or out of pity and of course she say no i wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't enjoy being invited out of pity i mean no one would yet that's what some of us on their people pleasing recovery journey let's say most of us do that because we want to save people the pain or the humiliation of the rejection the abandonment the betrayal whatever comes up for you but also i think there's an element of projection if someone has a deep wound of abandonment or rejection they're going to project that wound in others like quote unquote don't do to others what you wouldn't have done to yourself the thing is the reality is we don't have the same wounds we don't and so if you want to try and save someone from the pain of being rejected because you know it all too well you know how painful it is to be rejected you want to save this person from that remember you might very well be projecting your own rejection wound on that person who, by the way, might not have the same wound as you do. They just might not. So this is something that you should probably take into account. And so I was telling my friend that she was basically acting like she was the energy Red Cross, the charity of energy, like giving her energy to someone when she doesn't even want to give this energy. If you give your energy out of pity, out of guilt, out of a misplaced sense of duty, by the way, did anyone say spiritual ego? <laughs> Then it's probably not the right place to invest your energy in. It feels like it's going to be a waste of your energy, actually, because it is very likely that it is not going to be appreciated the way you think it's going to be. And so one of the things about being a people pleaser, and again, I say this as a recovered people pleaser, when you do the people pleasing, when you people please, 
there is kind of an unspoken transaction, meaning that you do whatever you think you should be doing because you expect something in return from the other person. Maybe not consciously. Sometimes it's a very subconscious mechanism. That It's something that is ingrained in you and you feel like you will be safe from this person's anger, from this person's sadness or unpleasant display of emotion if you do X, Y, Z. So that's kind of a transaction because in exchange for your people-pleasing behavior, you expect peace or gratitude or whatever that is. So that is kind of an unspoken transaction. And it's also you, by the way, robbing the other person from their own experience, from their own growth, right? <laughs> and I know that sounds weird, but once you've healed at least this tendency of people pleasing, when you've healed that, then you realize, oh my God, if someone had been doing this to me, they were actually not helping at all. They were enabling me in my wounded behavior, in my wrongful pattern. It was not helping me heal because I was not able to see my wound for what it was. I was quote unquote protected from my own journey, from my own karma. Now, just as a side note, do you see how your partner, when he's triggering the fuck out of you, how he's actually helping you grow? <laughs> do you see that? And so speaking of karma, I usually don't enjoy using Hindi terms or Indian terms because I'm not... I just don't feel that much of a connection with the culture and the heritage. I feel more close to... I'd say Buddhist ways of viewing things or more Western um, modalities, possibly. But I don't know any other ways to say that. So let's just define karma as action. So an action that you took in this life or a previous one, but most likely in this one, will have you act a certain way in return. To illustrate that, I would speak to my experience as a big sister and having what I call the big sister wound. It's story time again, guys. So I have a little sister, right? And she never was too connected to me. She was at times, but she struggled with mental wellness, let's say. And I felt throughout my life that I kind of I've always wanted to care for my little sister, but she wouldn't let me or she would be in overdrive, conflict mode, very angry at me for trying to, you know, care for her. She was like, you're not my mom. You shouldn't be doing this. I'm not a baby, blah, 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 in a very aggressive way, especially when she was adolescent. She was very, very vocal. She was aggressive even violence sometimes, to be honest. So it stands to reason that my experience was tainted with that or tinted with that. I'm not sure which word is the best. But I understand now that the way in which I interact with women around me, women in my life, especially my close friends, and I would say the kind of women that I choose to be around really is a reflection of me having this quote-unquote big sister wound. For instance, I have a lot of 
female friends who are either younger than me or have less experience, less life experience than I do on specific topics. And so I have this thing where I would behave like their big sister, listening to their love stories, giving advice, uh, helping them on a thing or another, being the shoulder to cry on and so on and so forth. And also trying to quote unquote rescue them sometimes like it was my duty, like I had to do it. And so once I cleared this big sister wound of mine, this need to rescue these younger souls, younger women, whom I felt would benefit from my help or would need my guidance, the ego, the spiritual ego would have you do that. But I think further than spiritual ego, it's really a sister, a big sister wound. And so... Once I noticed myself not engaging in rescuing patterns anymore, I was like, oh my God, I'm triggering these female friends of mine who are used to be rescued and treated like little sisters and having someone always available, someone who they can call at whatever time in the middle of the night. And I was an enabler for this behavior because of my big sister wound. But now that I have better boundaries, now that I put my phone on do not disturb, most of the time I set myself hours at which I'm available and at which I am not and if I don't have the emotional bandwidth to be someone's shoulder to cry on or someone's relationship coach or whatever then I know how to assert boundaries in this regard because I don't feel the need to rescue anymore and so I'm like this person can wait, they're adult now, they can handle their own emotional process, it's fine they will be fine. And in the same breath, I will help when I have the emotional capacity to do so. And so by doing this, by acknowledging that they are adults that are absolutely capable of handling disappointment, strong emotions, unpleasant emotions even, by doing this, I allow them to take ownership of their own process and I stop enabling their behavior of wanting to be rescued, aka a victim mindset. I stop being an enabler for their destructive pattern. I think some people have a victim mindset and victim tendencies. I'm quite the opposite. I have fixer tendencies and rescuer tendencies. It's really the big sister wound for me. That's the way I see it. All of this to say that when you're in the process of healing or when you've healed a substantial amount of wounds within yourself, then you are very much more likely to rock the boat because you know what your boundaries are, you know what your emotional threshold is, you know what you can handle, what's your timing for doing this. And people are going to be triggered because they don't benefit from you not having boundaries anymore. They don't benefit from this now restricted access to you and your energy, your time. And so, of course, they might take it very personally to the point that they might villainize you. And that's why I call it you know, entering your villain era, because <laughs> literally you will be perceived as a villain, which you are not, by the way, you're just being honest with people and first and foremost, honest with yourself. But by doing this, you 
will be perceived as the villain. But do you want to know one thing that's so good about being the villain? Is that you get bigger, bolder, braver. Let me explain. When you are in the process of healing, you tend to avoid touching or poking the wounds. And so you're basically keeping yourself small. And this is why you avoid putting yourself into situations that are potentially triggering to people or to yourself, potentially harmful to your ego. <laughs> situations such as you needing to assert your boundaries, rock the boat, be a bit of trouble. It's not necessarily conscious, but you'll be avoiding these out of self-protection. And so when you heal, you don't need protection or at least that kind of protection anymore. And so once you manage to climb your way out of your destructive patterns, limiting patterns, once you climb your way out of the boxes that you put yourself in, thinking that others put you in these boxes, but really that was you all along, Once you excavate yourself out of that, as you become more and more able to assert your boundaries without feeling the guilt, the shame and so forth, you will feel so much freedom and you'll be seen as the fucking villain. I'm telling you. So, babe, you go enjoy your villain era because it feels good. <laughs> Leave the guilt at the door and most importantly, enjoy yourself. Because you're going to have a few more challenges, I feel, is the word, as the new villain that you are. <laughs> so challenges. This could look like, quote unquote, the universe serving you on the silver platter a few triggering moments or difficult situations, but really you're manifesting it along with your healing. Here's the way I see it. Instead of playing small and never asserting boundaries, never speaking up, never being too loud or too quote-unquote difficult of a woman, instead of acting this way, you'll be bold and loud and clear about what you want and most importantly don't want. So you'll be drawing more attention towards you, <laughs> let's say. And so this might lead you to believe that you're attracting situations like difficult situations but really you're just healing it's not that the universe is testing you and sending you more of the problematic situations <laughs> let's say rather it's that you are becoming bolder braver fiercer louder clearer everything so you are not afraid of being exposed to such situations you can assert your boundaries speak up for yourself so Yeah, it's going to feel like you're manifesting these situations, but really it's serving you more than you believe it to. So if you feel like, oh, what the fuck, universe? What have I done? What's wrong with me? And girl, I feel you have been there. So you can reframe this by actually telling yourself that it's all happening through you, not to you. And actually, I feel like you don't need my advice. You're probably going there already if you're on this path, on this healing path. So well done, girl. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it feel good to be able to just feel comfortable in these new situations? Just feel like you can be yourself for once and not fear the consequences, whereas before you would have been mortified to just speak up, right? <laughs> Let me share something with you. I had an arm accident. I fell from the boat and I ended up with a 
torn rotator cuff and a torn bicep. Ouch. <laughs> Very painful. So painful that I was crying myself to sleep for the first couple of weeks. And to be honest, I'm still healing. But one month post-accident, I feel much better already. But guys, it was so fucking painful. Trust me. Actually, the kind of pain that would throw out all your people-pleasing tendencies out the window <laughs> for the better or for worse. But I, I feel like it was actually for the better in my case. And to give you a little bit of a context here, the reason why I cannot use painkillers is because I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I mentioned it before. And so it's quite a complex condition to live with because literally nothing in the book will work on you, including painkillers. And so I was in extreme pain to the point where I felt like my whole personality changed. Where I used to have patience before, I did not have any more. Where I had, I don't know, compassion, empathy, out of the window. The cup was literally empty. It's like I had nothing left to give to people please to take care of other people before myself because I was just so in pain and so even my manners <laughs> went out of the window or of the boat <laughs> I want to say because I remember once I was sat on a friend's boat with other friends around us and you know this kind of situation where you cannot really move you have to stay where you're seated and when people start smoking and the wind starts blowing in the wrong direction, then <laughs> that's when I went like, ew, <laughs> oh, I don't like smoke. I don't smoke. Rude, right? <laughs> I was just this rude. But anyways, it did me a great service because actually the person moved around and went to a place where the smoke wouldn't bother me and before I can't believe I was like this but I would actually shut the fuck up and take the smoke like a champ but actually it's like I was breathing cancer to make people feel more comfortable how's that for a reframe I believe you've listened to a previous episode of mine called Boundaries Baby All the Tea in which I discuss all of this and I talk about it in The Grief is Real as well. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. It's like a forever topic of our generation because we are the generation of, or at least I am, from the generation with a Libra South Node. If you follow me, then you know <laughs> that I'm into astrology and you probably know as well that your south node is where you come from on a soul level. So Libra is like the people pleasing world champion. <laughs> so my generation, my astrological promotion, as I like to call it, which is the people from the same year and a half as me will feel this strongly and we just so happen to have the lunar nodes shifting exactly in this position again, meaning we have the collective north node in Aries right now and the south node in Libra. So it's not just me, not just my astrological promotion. It's all of us, babes. It's all of us. We have to let go of these people-pleasing tendencies. But anyway, back to my story. And how I realized that I had zero tolerance for <laughs> for bullshit, <laughs> really. So 
I I guess it was great to witness myself asserting my boundaries in such an unfiltered way, such a raw and authentic way. I was real. It was amazing. <laughs> I loved witnessing that in me. And what I loved the most was witnessing the result of asserting a boundary and having it enforced and respected. I mean, wow, people moving around not to bother me anymore. Hashtag girl power <laughs> or hashtag girls who manifest beware. That's my new hashtag on Instagram. So hashtag girls who manifest. If you want to post something, by the way, like an excerpt or tag me in your stories, feel free to use that one. My gift to you. <laughs> I'm experimenting with Instagram right now and I'm having a lot of fun posting my little quotes from my upcoming episodes and also past episodes. So I feel like, and that's me going on a tangent right here, but I feel like so many podcasts hosts, they go like, tag me in your stories, blah, blah, blah. And no one wants to hear that, right? So I'm making it easy for you. I'm just gonna make reels with my little quotes and excerpts so that you can share them. And if you feel like it, just use the hashtag and, you know, I'll see you. <laughs> I'll be able to share it. So hashtag girls who manifest end of the tangent. And so obviously girls who manifest are also girls who heal and who quit people pleasing <laughs> like yours truly. So it feels really good, you know, being in my villain era, as I'm calling it right now. So I hope you will join me <laughs> in your villain era. It's actually very Aquarian age appropriate because in this age of Aquarius, this is the paradigm of serving ourselves, filling our own cups first in order to then serve the collective. This is so oppositional and so different from what we used to experience in the previous paradigm, which was the age of Pisces, which is... I mean, if you're a Pisces, please turn off this episode. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, Pisces has a lot of beautiful qualities to it in its highest octave, for sure. But that being said, Pisces also has very difficult shadows to experience. Namely, sacrifice. Namely, delusion. Namely, being a pushover. <laughs> What's the technical word for it? I've lost my French here. But a typical Piscean behavior would be sacrificial, extremely compassionate to a fault. And in its lower vibrations, that's what it does. That's what we do under the age of Pisces. We become sacrificial. We become compassionate to a fault. We become empath to the point of not feeling our own emotions anymore. We are putting other people's emotions first and our own emotions last. I mean, how are we supposed to serve the world from a literally empty cup? I mean, this sounds so obvious, <laughs> I guess. But let's just stop being pushovers. I mean, having Piscean behaviors. And I will shout this from any rooftop that would have me. <laughs> but we have to fill our own cup first. Ladies, we do. And no, it's not selfish. That's your mom telling you that. And she was born in the Piscean era. We are the millennials <laughs> or the Gen Zs. So it's not our business anymore. We have shit to do. In fact, it's not for the faint of hearts. Like I said before, we don't just have to heal the Piscean patterns of being self-sacrificial to a fault. We also have to heal 
the um, Libra South Node people pleasing tendencies coming up. Big up to the people of my generation with their natal South Node in Libra. I feel like we have to go first and be the way showers. So here we go. And just to clarify the nuance between the Libra people pleasing and the Pisces self-sacrifice. Libra doesn't really feel the need to sacrifice. Libra is more concerned about saving the appearances and performing in order to provide an experience that is satisfactory for everyone. Do you know what I mean? So Libra is a bit of a an actress, <laughs> whereas Pisces is more of a martyr. I mean, what a combo, right? <laughs> Astrologically. But remember, it's all happening for us and ultimately I would say through us, you know, <laughs> shifting from victim consciousness to quantum love consciousness. I'm reading a book on the subject I will talk about very soon. And so I could see the blessing in the curse, the blessing in disguise in having this accident because it kind of forced me to assert my boundaries to protect myself and my energy, like my energy really was in need of protection. And so I stopped feeling guilt for asserting my boundaries and for having needs. You know, like we have needs. We are humans. Hello. Another thing is that I guess my boundaries became less flexible, more rigid. And the point of a boundary is to be somewhat flexible, somewhat adaptable to, to your growth, to your situation. But I feel like when you have such pain to deal with so much pain to deal with then you have to have very very rigid very non-porous boundaries to protect yourself and so this was a great experiment and experience that has allowed me to level up in terms of boundaries and self-awareness and so the last point that i wanted to make the last pattern that i've healed in myself is the fixer pattern and I kind of used to blame it on my human design and on the fact that I was I am a line three five but I guess human design is just a tool to be more aware of your shadows and of your conditioning so it was basically showing me <laughs> where I have to decondition myself but sometimes you know with human design we can be like oh I cannot do this because I'm blank or you know <laughs> we all do one of these from time to time and I guess my personal pet peeve was my unconscious line five I was like oh because I have this unconscious pattern of being a fixer then I mean it's the fault of my human design right <laughs> so I don't have any work to do there wrong so how am I an unconscious fixer, you ask? <laughs> Same question I asked myself, to be honest. Well, I can tell you one of the ways in which I noticed I was doing that. So, for example, I have a group chat. We all do, right? <laughs> it's such a girl thing to do. Uh, hashtag girls who manifest <laughs> thing to do. And so speaking of which, this is actually a group chat about manifesting between my close friends and myself. And so... I'm the admin and creator of the group and I provide my guidance and I provide all the advice <laughs> that I've garnered for myself over the years. And because there's this, on a collective level, we can feel the shift, right? Of everyone wanting to do the work, everyone wanting to evolve, everyone wanting to 
to manifest shit, right? We do. So hence the group. And because these women are my close friends and because I tend to surround myself with women that I can consider my little sisters, as previously discussed, it was very hard for me to see sometimes when one of the girls would not do things quote-unquote correctly, <laughs> right? I was like, no, she's not doing this right. I need to fix this and she's not correct or she's not in integrity. And, you know, yours truly is a Scorpio stellium with her Mercury in Scorpio. So basically, I'm a bullshit detector. And also because I have big Sag energy, big Sagittarius energy, and it's actually my rising with a planet on my rising, not only am I a bullshit detector, but I am on the life's mission to seek the truth with a capital T. So when anyone and their sister literally is out of alignment, not only do I feel it, but I am triggered as fuck by it. And that's when I start engaging in what I call desperate fixing behavior. Like my life actually depends on it, guys. <laughs> it's this bad, or at least was. I would actually lose sleep over that. I don't know if you realize. I mean, some of you probably resonate with this. And if that's you, I'm here for you. So usually when something runs that deep, you can ask yourself the question, why do I feel like my life depends on it? And what is it bringing me back to? What moment in my past is it bringing me back to? And so I asked myself these questions and I figured the reason why I felt like my life depended on that, depended on other people's alignment, is because it kind of did by the past for me. So I can be very granular about the examples I'm going to give, but there is one specifically that I want to tell you about, guys. When I was a child, while growing up, I used to be very good at school. I didn't only get good grades, I was also very good in my creative work. I was at one of these private schools where you would do, like, you would have dance classes in the morning and normal school classes in the afternoon, like math, geography. And so I was good at both. And the teachers used to love me because I was always first. I was always having the best grades. And I was not only good at school, I was also good at the creative part. Like as young dancers, we used to have classes of choreography. We were destined to be professionals. So we had many hours every day, actually two to four hours of dance classes every day. Sometimes dance, sometimes choreography, sometimes dance history, kinesiology, all of these things. And I was good in literally all of this. It's just the way I am. I was very successful at school. And so my teachers, my dance teachers specifically, would congratulate me on my creativity and my process and the way I would create my choreographies. I was very good at that. I was very creative and I was always first. I always had the best grades, basically. And so Needless to say that the other girls in my class were not really my friends. It was very hard for me growing up to, to develop female friendships that were in my class. I had female friendships, but outside of my class, not in, because the girls in my class would be very, very jealous of me. And as a result, they would either try to copy me, copy my work, or at least the way I was doing things, which 
To be honest, I wouldn't have even noticed if it wasn't for the fact that these very girls that were copying me were the ones actually ending up hurting me. I wouldn't have noticed because I never cared what people were doing behind my back. I was so focused on creating and carving my own path and so in tune with my flow of inspiration and ideas. So when you're so immersed in your own process, you literally don't have time nor energy to focus on what other people are doing. However, I did notice that the girls who were imitating me or copying my work would also be inclined to be the ones to push me in the stairs in order to have me fall so I wasn't able to perform or they would put soap under my dance shoes so that I would slip and break my ankle. They would do all sorts of horrible things to me. And so I guess it stands to reason that I've developed a, not a coping mechanism, but I kind of developed a radar for misalignment in people. And so when I see misalignment in someone, of course, I'm going to try and fix them because not only is like my life depends on it, but it actually did at some point, you see. And so when you have someone who behaves in such a way, in such a misaligned way, I mean, I could run away, right? But when it's your friend, what you do, you cannot run away. So the only thing I could do was trying to fix them. Cue the enabling pattern. So back to the group chat situation. Because these women are my friends and because this is a group chat that I've initiated, it's a group chat that I've created, I've introduced these women to each other, they are my friends, I cannot escape my own circle of friends, I cannot escape my own group chat that I created. So what's there for me to do? Well, what's left for me to do is fixing. And so... I would go out of my way in my mind and try to fix and post lengthy video to help everyone getting back into alignment and I swear to you, I put so much energy in this group. <laughs> I could sell the course with all the videos of the channel links that I shared with them so hopefully it was helpful for them but it was truly so much energy. I realized that maybe it came from a place of I mean, for sure, it wasn't all black or white. There are nuances to this. But it partly came from a place of, I would say, survival. I want to emphasize the partly, because it's not the whole story. But it's the story I need to tell you in this episode. So I'm going to focus on this aspect. It's not all there is, of course. I am big on nuances. So <laughs> there you go. There's a strong drive in me to share what I've learned about manifesting, about my spiritual journey, about how to evolve, about how to feel better, more connected to to your soul, to yourself, to your purpose, all of this. I have a strong drive to share this, but I'm also human and I also have my own process. And note to myself, I feel like it's great that I had the opportunity to acknowledge my own process in this kind of private group chat before I actually create something more public. Because when I do, my vibration is gonna be so clean and my intention is gonna be so aligned and so pure thanks to these breakthroughs <laughs> that I had. But um, anyways, 
the fixer fixing tendencies that I had were very energetically draining. And so I guess when you stop trying to fix people, trying to rescue them, what happens is they can feel a bit triggered because they feel as though you are pulling away from them. They feel as though they're losing the connection with you. In fact, they might even tell you this verbatim, that they feel like you're not as invested in the relationship or the friendship with them as you were before. And for good reason, it's not about your investment in the relationship. It's just that the energetic investment is different for sure. So here we are again in our villain era, <laughs> triggering people like it's our job, right? But at least we have better boundaries. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. I'll leave you guys with that. And oh, I have a new... I was about to say meditation. It's actually not a meditation. It's more of a rampage of positive, empowering affirmations that I have recorded for you guys. If you are subscribed to the newsletter, you know the tea already. So let me just tell you, it's to help you manifest like the queen that you are. You go from hot mess express, like yours truly was, <laughs> to manifesting empress or however you want to call yourself, girl. I mean, queen. <laughs> so I'll link that in the show notes so that you can download it and manifest the fuck out of life. Hashtag girls who manifest. Again, I'm loving this hashtag situation. So I guess you know what to do. And you can find me on Instagram at Theodora Only. That's my personal page. And I have another one for the show at Spiritual Slut Podcast. You are welcome to connect with me there. I'm having a lot of fun, <laughs> actually. And so very grateful to have you connect with me either there or on the podcast listening to this. So grateful for my community. Thank you for listening, guys. I look forward to see you in the next one. Mwah.